There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions you can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And we're here with you for the next hour talking about all the things that have really been getting our go and turning us on this week. And of course, we couldn't start without talking about the biggest news story this week, at least probably for the next 48 hours before it happens all over again, the general election. Um, General election, Nat, what is the thing that you are most excited about after this? Uh, I'm excited about all of the new female talent coming through. Um, And I did a quick Google this morning. For some reason, I think it's the delirium of going to bed at 5am. I was trying to count how many women and then I Googled it. And there was a lovely article (laughs) already there saying 201 women have been elected to the um, Houses of Parliament, which is... Uh, our highest number ever. Last year it was 196. And we've brought back uh, women such as Joe Swinson. Um, Diane Abbott makes a triumphant return, which we'll um, we'll talk about. And I, I, I also tweeted from our account, I hope that the women joining uh, this year, well, over the next um, parliament, really focus on equality and social justice and challenge their male colleagues to do exactly the same because it means nothing if we have this number of women in parliament if they're not actually advocating for us so and champion, champion us in the way that they should. One of the things that I think has been fantastic about having more female MPs in is, and we've had it growing for the last few elections, but 200, over 200 is I, it feels like a bit of a land, landmark for me. Yeah. Um, but they actually just do normal stuff that women do every single day that if you don't have women around, you don't think is important. Mm. So we know that um, we've had female MPs talking about breastfeeding in the House of Commons, the need for there to be somewhere to breastfeed, talking about maternity leave. They used to have a lift that was for MPs only. I think they actually might still have a lift that's for MPs only. And there had been no women in that lift, you know. Mm. So when women got in it, the men were shocked by it. So I just think the more women you have, the more they change the dynamic of what is and isn't normal. Emma, do you see that? Yeah, I do. The only thing that's bothering me is the amount of abuse some of these women seem to be getting. You know, when you look at Diane Abbott, you look at Nimco Ali, like there just seems to be rape threats, death threats, you know. And I'm just like, like I, that's the thing that, that concerns me, that... You know, these women are putting themselves forward, but that they are almost having to take bigger risks or put themselves more at risk than than the men are. And and what's really strange to me about that is it that level of abuse does, seems to be kind of it's totally nonpartisan. You know, left, right, mm. doesn't matter if you're a woman, you get it from the other side. And it's always like it's always sexual violence. Why is that? Well, Twitter do uh, training. They do security and sort of political awareness training for women that are, go, that are, uh, are running. So they give you guidelines on what to do, and you know if you feel like you're being being harassed. But I still feel like it's not enough because if this was someone shouting abuse at you in the street in the same way, you would have a case to basically have them arrested. And when it's on social media, there isn't really a mechanism 
um, to make that happen because you know there'd be tons of people arrested but I think we need we need to make an example of someone or, or people to show that it's not okay and actually I think it's an interesting one because it's all the rage now for journalists and JK Rowling and all these people to be ta- attacking each other but it sets the precedent for how people communicate and speak to each other and open active abuse and bullying and trolling and ter- tearing of each other down which means that actually you know when the public do it you, you can go at the public and say actually this is, isn't right and then a big name will do something very similar and you're like oh god i think that's you know. why i've always disconnected from politics because of the the arguments the abuse whenever i see anything in the house of commons the way that there's it's just really like schoolboy behavior and I, I i can't deal with human beings acting in that highly irrational emotional state like it just i just, it just makes basically me basically a way with that we would not behave to each other if we were sitting in front of each other i think I, I don't think we've seen arguments you know journalists and and politicians going at it but there is still a level of a mutual level of respect and professionalism that dilutes massively once it moves on to social media and i i just hope that the 201 women that have made it into the houses of parliament are given a fair hearing i hope that we can remove some of the men that have been on tv that no longer have any power they no longer have any mps they no longer have the size of mandate that they had to make it into all of these debates i hope those men are no longer on tv and the women actually have a seat to make a decision get on tv and if they don't then i'll be speaking to our producer who told told (laughs) us the reasons why you know that party get all the airtime they get so one of the other things that's really interesting when we're looking at the abuse of women is of course the abuse that diane abbott got in the past few weeks and if you haven't seen this diane abbott did uh um an interview on sky news i think on wednesday this week and it was a it, it whatever you think about Diana, but it was a car crash of an interview. Right? They asked her mm-hmm. about asked her about a report that she clearly hadn't read. She tried to bluff her way through it. It did not go well. It was a car crash. But the response to this was horrifying. And I'm going to read some of the tweets that were sent about it. And I could you just want to say it is they are really unpleasant. So just be aware of that. Um, but they say, why are all Labour supporters dirty? Why is Diane Abbott so fat? She smells badly of body odour, but then her sort always do. And um, Diane Abbott can, mm, my white, mm, racism works both ways. Um, Britain is racist. Britain is not racist. It's you, you monkey-faced black slut. I mean, that is just, that makes me want to be sick. How can people write that? Yeah. How can they write it? And again, if you said that, if that altercation happened in public, that is an immediate, you are getting arrested there. And you know, even if you just get a caution, there is some kind of action you can take. But realistically, on social media, that doesn't happen. Um, I don't want to dwell too much on the negative bit because it will actually get me irate. And I don't know how Diane Abbott did not tweet back and be like, give me your address, homie. I'll be outside your house. Uh, and I have six brothers, so I'll be, I'll be rolling deep with them. Anyway, uh, there was a group of women um, and I saw a friend of ours, Elizabeth Farley, uh, sent a tweet saying that a group of women uh, pulled together a card for Diane Abbott and flowers and delivered them to her house personally, just to say we appreciate you. And there was also uh, a hashtag um, Abbott Appreciation. That, and for once, I actually used a hashtag um, to show that you know, Diane has been in this industry or in politics for 30 years. She has voted, I would say, with the most sort of um, progressive uh, mind in terms of social justice and what it means and balance and, and equality for most. And... I think ultimately she has been vindicated. She got 75% of the vote in her um, Hackney constituency. And I, I hope that she makes a return to frontline politics. And if she does have, you know, some kind of um, mental health issues or just general health issues, I, you know, take that into consideration when you're thinking about the job that you, you have. But there is no way that I would want to see her disappear from frontline politics because she is functionally good. I mean, we were talking about this the other day, the show she used to have with Andrew Neil and Michael Portillo. Loved that show. This woman's she's spoken at Harvard. She's not she's not a, a weak, you know, bad version of a politician. She's probably one of the the good ones and we should remember that. And I think she's not just one of the good ones. You look at her you look at her track record and you look at her constituency. That she has a thirty five thousand majority in that yeah. constituency. They love her. She does a great job. But this kind of level of abuse I, I mean this isn't just 
this isn't just kind of anti-women, right? This is racist anti-women. How do we how do we start talking about that? How do we start pointing it out and saying this is not okay? I mean, the thing is about Twitter, I guess, is that you can say things and you can hide, can't you? It's a tweet. It's there for a moment, you know, and I think the regulations around Twitter are increasing. But it's just, I I guess it just doesn't help if, you know, in general, like we say, the public are using those terms, newspaper headlines are mocking people. You're kind of basically saying to people, it's okay to be abusive. Mm. You know, and while newspapers and while politicians may not be using the kind of language, ultimately, it's still an insult. You're still Mm -hmm. mocking people. So while that is generally seen as an okay thing to do, and also I've got to say, there's a lot that goes on in these soap operas that perpetuates kind of drama and mocking and high emotion and just a general lack of emotional intelligence across the board and I think it's that's just society that's how we operate what do you mean by that in the soap operas I don't watch them so I don't know what you mean well I don't watch them because they are so highly emotional like, oh the this the, the continual emotion drama. yes okay. continual drama not being rational with like thought or logic or conversations so that's what we think about this kind of level of abuse. But what do you think? Have you experienced it? Do you think there need to be better regulation on social media, better re- regulation from the government? How should we handle it? You can tweet us and tell us what you think we should be doing about it at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. Um, we're going to leave the general election there now because, well, to be honest, we're all really, really tired. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows what will have happened in the last five minutes while we've been talking about it. Um, it's probably all changed. We're going to go on to our third story of the week. Emma, what is this? What have you been thinking about? Well, I've been thinking about something which I think is far more interesting than politics because <laughs> you two are well into your politics. Me, however, I'm much more interested in can porn be feminist? <laughs> These are the kind of things that keep me up late at night. Me for Emma. Yes. Emma for Prime Minister. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine this country if I was leading it? be phenomenal. be a lot of more happy people. Um, so there's an article on USA Today asking that question, can porn be feminist? And there's three female directors that say yes and I think it's really interesting because you know me I'm really I'm really intrigued around female pleasure and I think a lot of what you see in terms of porn is not it's made by men for men it gives us it gives society a very twisted perspective on what sexual experiences are a lot of people get their sexual education from porn so for me I think you know I'm not an advocate for banning porn but I definitely think there's a market for feminist porn I've never seen any porn that I thought was particularly so I actually watched, uh, so one of the directors they talk about in that article is a woman called Erica Lust. I don't know if that's her real name, but I just Love really it. hope that it is. <laughs> I really hope that it is. But Erica Lust is a director and she uh, makes what she calls feminist porn. Um, and part of it is you have to pay for it, right? It's content and she wants to make it to a high standard, so you do have to pay for it. But I can tell you, if you sign up for her website, you do get one film free. So, <laughs> And I was watching this the other day and like it's genius right just go and watch it i don't know if i was really hugely turned on by it but it was about a cu- this this was the storyline i just have the storyline so good so it was about a couple and they're going on a mini break and they've booked an airbnb and it turns out that the hosts of the airbnb are swingers and so they have a barbecue to welcome them and it's very hot and everyone gets it on in the pool together oh, God. <laughs> and, do you know what i just was like I think that could happen. I believe that. <laughs> and that's what we all need in a bit of porn, really, isn't it? A bit more realism. Yes, yeah, so feminist, feminist porn is about showing like a much more authentic representation of human sexuality. That's what Erica Lust says. Um, okay. Where like mainstream porn is like, there's a lot of like power play. It's all about female genitalia and body parts. But I think... You know, feminist poem is a lot more about the story. It's a lot more about the emotion in there. And I do feel that as like men and women, I, like we're okay. attracted, we no. turn on by different things. Do you think? Uh, if I'm right, I'm, I'm probably a bit maybe prudish. I have not watched porn for a long time. And I did, when I was younger, I watched porn because I really liked Jenna Jameson. And she, for me, was very badass. And so if, if I think about what I remember of that, because I was a young person a very long time ago, it was something about the power and the leather and all, and maybe that features in this Airbnb story. I doubt it. It doesn't. Yeah, no. exactly. It's so very I don't know if I would get the sort of thrill or the kicks from it. it just, I would just feel like I don't know why I'd watch it. I don't but get that's it. so interesting, right? That that kind of leather and power is actually well, when we think about socialized? it, traditional male porn. So you've kind of probably been socialised into what we think is erotic. And so much, like if we talk about traditional porn, I think is so aggressive and angry. Like it's really yeah. angry. Yeah. And I find that quite 
Like, on the one hand, yeah, I think it's, it's a kind of a bit of a turn on in it, but it's also really quite scary. But does it depend on where you fall on the sexual spectrum? So my suspicion would be that I would be closer to a dominatrix on the spectrum. <laughs> You're so up for some angry sex. What, no, not even that. Just, I just, in my head, I just think I would be more on that spectrum. That's I, all I'm going to I say. I feel there needs to be variety. So, any, yeah. anything that's just variety is the spice Airbnb of life story sort of nice we went on a picnic to the Greenland I, I, I like bored. you say this my darling you say it but I, I know what you like alright I'm going to watch it <laughs> so we're going to keep we're going to keep thinking about it do you know what else you could tweet us and tell us what do you like because we would really want to know that tell us your recommendations for feminist porn that's what we want listeners uh, so coming up in our next section we're actually going to be speaking to some women who are thinking not about how we change pornography but about how we change advertising and design and make it more female led so stay tuned for that Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And we're also joined by Sandra P and Rebecca Rhodes, co-founders of Superhuman, a strategic marketing agency that's actually going to think about how we get brands to talk to women better ladies welcome thank you <laughs> so tell us a little bit about superhuman and how you came to form it Sandra. well um superhuman i guess is a product of our experience over the last 20 years um bex and i have both been in the marketing industry for probably too long um but i guess it came from a frost our uh, our frustration around sitting in meetings talking about women with our audiences or um, people we're working with who are essentially men, often very, very young and not really understanding the people that they're actually trying to market to. Um, you know, from a business perspective, we clearly realise that actually, you know, um, 85% of global purchase decisions are actually made by women. Um, you know, the the amount of uh, people who of men who are, uh, are making the creative decisions within agencies, it's, it's actually very, very high. So there's a disconnect and there's an opportunity. Um, so that's that was a start. Point. There's that, um, that's a really great stat at the moment about um, the three W's. So it's the weather, it's um, the web, and it's women that are going to change, you know, make the biggest change in the 21st century. And so it's that joined with the fact that, you know, women have this immense global purchasing power and, and the most assets and more educated than ever before. It's a real moment in time. Okay, yeah. we know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I'm, the, I'm guessing the research is out there. Agencies will have this insight. Why do they? Why are they still making stupid decisions and not um, continuing to keep the right or, or continuing to keep female talent within their businesses? Why are we not seeing more female creative directors and agency leads? Um, the, the work that you guys is, is doing is doing is is, is amazing. But it's, you know, there's still so few of us, given that we are, we are the majority. There are now 201 of us in the Houses of Parliament. <laughs> Why are we still so far behind? I, a lot of it's to do with practicalities, um, creating a framework. So, for instance, on the creative piece, the good news is we've gone from 3% of creative directors are women to 7% in the last few years. So we are making some progress. I mean, some of it is just the fact that um, in that particular industry, agency life just isn't set up for people that may want to go and have kids or you know may want to have a more flexible work life. So we've got a lot to do in that area still. It is changing, but that it's, it's practicalities. Um, there's also interesting cultural um, issues. So in a creative environment, you will find that there are a lot of creative guys, but they're you know they're, they're modern, they're contemporary, they're metrosexual, and so people don't really look and say there's lots of guys here this is wrong they say there's lots of really you know modern liberal open-minded men talking about how to market sanitary towels and foot files and that's okay because they get women well they're not women so that's that's a kind of insidious issue as well yeah. I also think there's something around the fact that uh, in the agency world, um, budgets are really stretched. You know, people make are making decisions more quickly, quicker and quicker every day. And it's really, really easy to jump to stereotypes. Um, and it's lazy, you know. 
but you know you can see how it happens and and I guess for us superhumans being born partly out of the fact that we think that by creating um, marketing campaigns that are for women led by women helps us to sort of jump start some of that process but also to see if we can create a working environment for women and actually for everyone mm-hmm. because while this is an issue around particularly um, using the family example that Bex brought up for women actually it's not just women who want to spend time with their families everyone does by the way yeah. um, you know we want to see if we can create something that looks a bit different and feels a bit different and is actually a bit more fun to be part of. I'm super excited about your agency because I have a number of friends. We're all in our 40s now. We've all uh, have child-free lifestyles. Some of those are chosen. Some of those are just the way it's happened. But we are completely ignored by marketeers and advertisers, yet we have the money to spend. You know, we can go and buy those £600 pair of shoes if we want to. But if I see an 18-year-old in your advert... Do you know what? I'm not going to buy your shoes, thanks. So I'm really pleased that this is starting to happen, but it really frustrates me that, you know, we're still grouping people into stereotypes rather than grouping people into kind of interests. You know, there's not... I, whenever somebody says, you know, we get creative briefs all the time, it's like, oh, well, it's an ABC one. And I'm like, you can't... You just can't group people like that now. That's just not the way the world is. Yeah. It's so interesting, actually, because, um, you know, Superhuman is about connecting with all women. And, and when we started, we were like, okay, we want to look at audiences that we think have got commercial advantage because, hey, that's the, that's the way we're going to change things in our sort of business, uh, branding and marketing world, but also actually create the, uh, a, a sort of relatively large amount of change. And, and middle age felt like a really easy one to hold on to women over 40s um, because exa- exactly for that reason, you know, the reality is they're really confident. They don't care anymore what people think. So, you know, they're less worried and they're financially viable in a way that, you know, audiences in their 20s and 30s aren't. Um, so it's a huge opportunity. Um, but the stats from the research that we've done play out the fact that you know they're basically ignored you know you know the the life uh, advertising and, and media as well doesn't reflect the lifestyle that they actually live and the products and services that are actually aimed at them as an age have nothing to do with the way they live their life. I mean, it's mental, really. How do, how do you get clients to be brave? We talked about this. We had an mm. event this week um, with the W Hotel and Women in Sport, and uh, we had uh, Sports England there, and we were talking mm. about their This Girl Can yeah. campaign, and that was really brave for a client and revolutionary, albeit a slightly different target audience, but revolutionary in the way that it spoke to and spoke to women. But I said to uh, Julie then that... Um, you know, like this is revolutionary to be able to do that and to be brave. And how are you getting clients to be braver? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the holy grail getting clients to be brave. Um, What we're finding is we're speaking to a lot of amazing women in, in quite senior positions who just get what it is and what's needed mm. and that's that's one of the, the the quickest routes we've had to get um clients to be braver is actually talk to the target audience themselves who you know implicitly get what needs to be done um that's one of the one of the main do things do you think though just to be sure, it is advertising kind of over like has it had its day are we now actually all about influencers and who our direct kind of influence on social media is who we follow who we relate to are those kind of days we're spending millions of quid on an advert over, but Sandra? Also, but also not just that, experiences and recommendations. So yeah. if your friend, you know, and therefore advertising and, and being shown stuff, is, yeah. th- is that dead? Um, I mean, I don't think it's dead, but I definitely think it's it's now one piece of a puzzle that a, as a brand will use in their arsenal to achieve whatever it is they need to do. I mean, I come from the sort of Red Bull background, so I'm very much in the kind of sphere of influences and experiences um, and brand stories, um, you know. Interestingly enough, if you think about advertising as a medium, big broadcast, massive sound, brand in the centre, telling you how it is, that's a very masculine model Mm. of communicating. Actually, if you think about digital communications, it's much more about... um, uh, talking to one another, you know, listening, response, all of that sort of stuff. That's much more feminine, actually. And and that kind of context of moving from quite a large scale masculine approach to feminine is it, sort of somehow wrapped into actually um, helping uh, brands to better understand women. Because, um, you know, that movement from masculine to feminine um, impacts on how women hear and communicate and also how brands can communicate mm. with them. I agree. So, Emma, you talk a lot about feminine values in the workplace. And I think that's the transition that we've probably 
seen but i'm someone that don't, i don't like nudge advertising so if i'm using something of my own free will in my own space don't then try and sell me things and because i it, it does almost feel like that masculine old version like yeah. bye 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 yeah, yeah. versus if someone said oh have you tried this thing or i that's when i'm more likely to take it on but i was just yeah just i, I was actually thinking about your whole feminine values yeah i yeah i've been thinking about this a lot since like 2014 i had this idea around to stop talking about gender and to look more at feminine values because even as a even as a woman mm. I dial up my masculinity in some situations yep. and I'll dial up my femininity in others and I just felt even in 2014 I felt it was very restrictive of defining gender and you know and then where does that leave transgender mm. people where does that leave you if you you know if you're gay as well and so um, uh, for me the f- this whole feminine focus and this feminine way of doing business is, is far more interesting to me what are you doing as an agency to kind of push that you talked earlier about kind of like work and challenging some of those what are the other things that you're doing well I think actually just to continue from what you were saying one of the most interesting things we found since we've been going is actually um, looking at the future of brand audiences that a younger generation coming through are more gender neutral mm. um, and that's going to be the future so we're at the moment we're talking about um, feminizing and bringing feminine values into advertising and marketing for the better of all but actually that is going to happen that's going to be um, the future of marketing yeah and and to follow on to that um when we're working with our clients what we're realizing is actually it's not just enough to make a nice campaign that connects with women because a often what you end up doing is doing something that's quite tokenistic and actually doesn't create any long-lasting change and what we're realizing as our business is growing is there's a whole piece of our business about going what is the masculine unconscious bias that exists in an organization that actually stops good ideas that are relevant for female audiences making it through and that comes down to the fact that the decision-making structures and processes in that organisation actually stop it from coming through. Yes. So it's it's so, so funny. It's not an area I thought we'd ever be in, but it's it's actually fascinating. It's interesting as well because masculinity is so mm-hmm. valued by society and yeah. femininity isn't. So I'm that's my personal feminist quest is to get femininity valued and seen as equal to masculinity. But don't you, I'm thinking about the political conversations that have been going on today, don't you think it's so interesting that the women who have really made it in politics very, very rarely come across as feminine? And I'm fascinated by that because I think, you know, that's true, that seems to be true, and, you know, in my limited experience around... Um, you know, that how much uh, these women are actually um, leading the charge for us, but they're doing it in a way, and they've had to, to be quite alpha to get there. Like, but how much are they going to change that up so we can actually recognise people as human beings, masculine and feminine? And that's women and men. Fantastic. And I think that's actually something, that conversation we're going to take into our next section, looking at how we have to behave in order to survive in the world that we're in, because we're going to go into our badass balls ups. This is our problem page section where you tell us what's worrying you and we try and help using our nearly 100 years of experience, mistakes made, lessons not really learnt. Um, <laughs> we try and bring our wisdom to you. And of course, if you have a problem or something you want to tell us about or ask us about, you can find us on Twitter at Badass Women's RHR, at Badass Women's R, on Facebook or on Instagram, all the socials. So do come and tell us what you're worrying about right now. Sandra, Rebecca, I think you're staying in for that. You're going to give us some wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we're going to be looking at how we manage our anxiety in this current climate, um, what you do and how you get more political at work. And of course, whether or not sometimes ignorance is just bliss. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And this week we're also joined by Sandra Pete and Rebecca Rhodes, co-founders of the agency Superhuman. This is our badass balls up section, the section of the show where we try and help you out by solving your problems. It's not always that successful, but we really try. So, Emma, what is our first problem this week? So the first problem I've got this week is from a friend of mine. And so she used the term being woke. Now, I'd not heard this term before. And perhaps you guys can explain it better than me. Well, to give black Twitter its credibility, woke is a, a term that, that means you are open, your eyes are open and you're enlightened to the things that are going on in the world. You um, question uh, the, the things that are, are the status quo and you don't take what is immediately placed in front of you as truth you dig deeper so yeah so this girl was like I am woke I'm understanding more I'm I'm educating I'm learning about stuff but she started having lots of like um, quite angry conversations on like social media with people who are you know disagreeing with her so she's quite, and she's like actually I'm, I'm in a way I'm kind of going my life was a lot more peaceful and I was a lot less like stressed and upset mm. when I was ignorant like is is being ignorant more blissful so <laughs> she's like how do I deal with this like constant anger that I'm getting now I've got this um, now I'm woke uh, Rebecca Sandra did you have that when you started your agency and you suddenly learned all these stats about women and you could see how they were treated <laughs> and you could see what was happening did you find yourself getting really angry about it yeah I think that um, I think for me it probably happened when I felt like I was on the receiving end of being ignored mm. you know as a woman um, and I think that um, I think personal experience makes that happen but also it's great because then you find your life past don't you because you're like oh that's what I'm meant to try and solve yeah um, how do we manage that anger though because it can be really exhausting like you can you could spend all day trying to educate misogynists on Twitter and not get anywhere right now how do you deal with it so I say pick your battles. I'm I'm personally not someone, I have no interest in battling people on social media. I can't see you. I, I'll happily debate you in, in person, but over social media, it means nothing. It's just speaking into the vortex. So I'd say pick your, your battles. Um, is, is this something you're willing to go over a cliff for? Is this something that you're willing to die for? And then ultimately, if that is the case, it's probably your day-to-day -day life's work too. So figure out a way to make that change happen without having to battle individual people on social media. Think about policy change. Think about influencing. We all do that in our in our day to day. That's the reason you've started an agency. But one to one, you know, picking every every misogynist guy, every racist person. It's just long yeah and all those people who want to have battles with you they're just on a wind-up mode basically aren't they like they're just being provocative and i just think the people who are open to a dis discussion and open to hearing your point of view they're the minds that you can change they're the other people that you can give that awareness to so i'd be the same but as you. not just that battles. those people have a they don't have a sense of agency so they find their power through this faceless medium because in i my my perception and readers that these people don't have power in their day-to-day -day lives so they use these platforms to kind of push all of their their stuff so out. So I don't agree with that because there are a lot of people who do have power in their day-to-day -day lives and are using this platform to exacerbate that power and use it to kind of spread their word. But the thing that I think you need to be doing if you're going to try and take them on in a public forum is actually save yourself some hassle. So come prepared. So I have a list of articles that answer the most common misogynist tweets <laughs> on Twitter. Right? So like, why do women vote for Tories? Or um, women's equality, you have it already. Or the pay gap doesn't exist. And so rather than me getting into a big debate on it, I'm like... Yes, the pay gap does exist. Please see research here. And I just like tweet it back at them. You say, actually, just have your research. Don't get involved in a big argument. Just throw the research straight back and save yourself. Right? Don't. It's not personal. They're doing it for a rise. Mm -hmm. If you've got the research, 
you can just prove your own point and then back away from the screen. You're a Twitter ninja as well. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I, do, I do like a bit of a Twitter debate. Not too much though, don't you mean? Um, <laughs> so our second question this week um, actually comes from Julia. So Julia says, how do I manage my anxiety around the recent terror attacks? I work in a big city, I have to commute in every single day, and every day, even though I know I want to carry on with my life as normal, part of me is worrying, what if today I get caught in an attack? How do I cope with that? But I think I've adopted the attitude of, if my time is up, my time is up. I have that in general, even before the terrorist attacks. I tend to, you know, I don't want to live my life restricted. I mean, God, I live at home by myself. I could fall over in the shower and and die. So I have just as much of like, you know, problems that I could have in my own house, let alone out in the street. And, you know, we live in London and I, yeah, I, I don't pay attention to the, I don't pay attention to the noise in my head because I feel like the more you indulge in those thoughts, that just drives your anxiety and yeah I just don't want to live like that same I live I live alone as well so I always have the anxiety over choking over a peanut and being found <laughs> two weeks later it's the single woman uh, living alone curse my thing was if it's if it's my time it's my time but be you know while I'm running be vigilant so don't get caught up in a big crowd just you know keep your eyes open and I think that will always be in my mind now in a big um sort of, you know big central London activity just be aware Sandra what did you do after the um after the attacks how did you feel about it and did it change your response to moving around I met Lebex. I looked at Rebecca and meant Sandra but whichever you like yeah, I don't live in London so you you um yeah well I, I've obviously got um I'm obviously jinxed because I, I got I was in New York during 9-11 and then I got evacuated off the tube wow. about a few years later and you know I, I think it's it's life goes on you can't you can't you 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 have to just carry on and you know there's lots of cases of you know the way people behave during world war Two. you know you have to you have to carry on um but also be more vigilant and if you really are you know anxious and you become anxious about public transport then there are a number of techniques and mindfulness and you know you need to find some kind of method that's going to help you get through the day to day I think that's great advice is actually if you find yourself constantly anxious about things this is something you can go and see a doctor about and there is help available on the NHS for it so you can go and do some CBT which gives you um, really great techniques for dealing with anxiety you might be able to take a mindfulness course there are lots of things out there which are actually available to help you literally manage that anxiety because I do think it can be a bit spirally and once you're in it it can be very hard to get out of it so already have a google so google for some kind of breathing techniques and um some ways of kind of changing your thought process around it and if that isn't happening do go and see your doctor and just ask them what support is out there for you because i think in this time we all need to really band together and take the help where it is although h my granddad's advice is just don't leave wolston green <laughs> so just wolston green is the safest place just, just stay here so maybe that, you know you can all move to wolston yeah. green yeah. <laughs> uh our final question this week nat what have you got uh, so the final one uh, comes from James and he was talking about a man. Yes, a man shared a, a, a question with us. Um, he was talking about workplace politics and what happens when you're in a in a situation where uh, cliques are starting to form around different projects, different ideas, different ways of, of thinking. And you're thinking about your progression within the company. You know, where do you align yourself? How do you manage the office politics? How do you figure out who you should be having water break moments with or who you should be having a drink with if you ultimately want to succeed in an organisation? Because it does happen. So this is really interesting to me because years ago when I was working for a big organisation, I had a male colleague that I worked with and he was just constantly promoted, constantly, constantly promoted. And he was good at his job. But I was like, is he is he as that good at his job I don't, I don't know anyway one day I sat down with him and I was like look can we have an honest conversation here like what are you doing that I'm not doing that gets you promoted all the time and he just looked at me he's like well Harriet spend 60% of my time internal networking and I thought well that explains why I'm doing all your work <laughs> um, but also like actually that is a huge chunk of time right that's a huge chunk mm. of time that he's just devoting to building those relationships 
Emmett. But that's the part about business. No one ever talks about it. You pick up any book on business and no one talks about the human beings. Because I come from the, the belief that if you understand people, you understand business. And I've certainly noticed this in terms of my business where I've been trying to get much hotter on my client relationships. And I'm taking them out much more just for like lunches and, and coffees. But now I'm starting to get to know them much more as people. And then that's helping me understand the dynamics that are going on in the workplace. It's it's helping me understand what's happening within the organization and then having that understanding is making it a lot easier for me to navigate that client work out how we can work better together and that's all stuff that that's come quite late to me but I just think in the office the more you understand what's going on what's driving people what are the politics what are the history what are the stories the more you can navigate that and make sure you're playing that all to your advantage because is tricky. People are a pain in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, what do you think? Because agencies are notoriously like political places, right? Oh, hugely. Um, as much as who to talk to, when to talk to, um, it's often about positivity. Um, people love positive people. So if you want to, you know, if you want to be seen, get ahead, however you want to put it, um, having a positive outlook and being seen as being a person that has ideas and that's up for it and that's open and that doesn't get bogged down in office politics too much um, is probably one of the most powerful things you can do. Should we all be going out for like after work drinks with the boss though? Should you be kind of trying to schmooze your way to the top? I think, Sandra? I think that's an incredibly hard question to answer actually because the reality is probably yes but the reality is actually that's not great for everyone it really yeah. isn't and you know what it doesn't actually make you better at your job it doesn't actually necessarily make you deliver better you know all of those sorts of things um so i guess the challenge for, it's particularly for women i mean let's call it you know it, you know th there are lots of reasons why women can't or don't want to do that kind of stuff uh the challenge is to find other ways to build those networks and relationships because you know as emma said they are absolutely essential to understand the context within which you're trying to work there's also the introvert extrovert um you know scale as well some people are just more introverted they don't want to go out <laughs> with their boss or with a group of people and they may be life and soul in the office so you know we're not saying that all introverts won't get ahead we know many do and there are a lot of books written on it um, so that's that's definitely a dynamic to take into account. Oh, as an introvert, I feel that I hate having to go for Friday night drinks. Yeah, me too. Now, what do you? What about you? What do you do? Likewise, introvert. Um, so I have I have two things. The reality is that if you want to be good at your job, the way to navigate the office politics is to bring value to the table. So if you're trying to prove uh, make a point, or you think something should be happening within the company make your case make it based on on data make it based on the commercial or or the social impact whichever industry you're in um and, and influence the people that can ultimately make that decision happen but if you want to get ahead and you want to get to the top you breakfast you lunch you dinner you drink that is that's that's the reality no! yes no <laughs> it is that is the no, reality i'm not yeah. gonna, i'm not going to sugarcoat it that is if you want to be good yeah. at your job bring the data and the facts if you want to get to the top people people yeah. you need to be seen to be out and engaging with people and that people need to like you and you know when you're not in the room people need to say oh you know we should get so and so on that and you're only in their psyche not because you're good but because you were with them just a minute ago I so agree. I actually we're going to wrap but we want to know what you think do you think that's right can you only get to the top if you're out and about and being seen I think you need to build relationships I don't think you need to be out five nights a week <laughs> <laughs> do tell us what do you think T tweet us at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour using our hashtag BAWH big thank you to Sandra Beat and Rebecca Rose co-founders of Superhuman for joining us Woo! today um, coming up in our next section we're looking at our backdated badass that's a woman from history that you absolutely need to know more about and this one has been travelling the world Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter. I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And right now we are also joined by the amazing Kate Dale, campaign manager for Sport England, basically the woman who bought us the This Girl Can campaign. Kate, you are doing our backdated badass this week. I am, yes. Hello. Hello, hello. Hi. Who have you chosen as a woman from history we need to know more about? 
Um, I've chosen um, an amazing woman called Annie Londonderry, who was the first woman to cycle around the world um, back in 1894-95 when she took on a bet from two wealthy businessmen in Boston who said that a woman would never be able to do it in less than 15 months and she went out and proved them wrong. Amazing. And how did she know that she could? To be honest, I don't know how I knew that, how she knew that she could. She her story starts off really traditionally. She's a she was a Latvian immigrant to the US, um, and then she got married at eighteen, had three kids under five when she started the cycle ride. And when she started cycling, had only ridden a bike for three days before, so like she had a particular history with cycling. But I think she must have had something about her that just thought, "I'm going to prove them wrong." Extraordinary, I think, really. One of the things that um, I sort of really drew me to to her was the fact that she was either between four foot eleven and five foot three, so she was you know quite quite a small um, woman and, and about a hundred pounds. So I, I have a vision of like this sort of very you know, petite woman on this bike riding through what would have been quite um, challenging terrain back then in this in this outfit with this you know this pistol in her bag. She was. Um, paid a hundred dollars uh for the for the you know to go on this expedition because even back then you needed sponsorship yeah so she had to sort of live live by her her wits for a lot of this and it's just the fact that she did all of this based on a bet based on the fact that someone told her her she couldn't it almost is it's like her saying well actually this girl can and off i go in three days time kate do you think we're seeing a bit of that kind of revolution now because cycling is becoming a much more popular sport for women now as well right yeah absolutely i mean i think um cycling gives you independence and freedom and it's fun as well i think as i think um actually I would say this from this girl can, wouldn't I? But with all forms of getting active, I think it gives you that sense of confidence and that feeling of power as well because you're responsible for yourself. And so it changes the way, certainly for me, it changes the way my relationship with my body when I'm being more active than when I'm not. I think about what it can do rather than what it looks like. So I think I think that's part of it. I think obviously with cycling as well, people using it to get to work, to um, for active commuting and things like that as well. And if, as part of green stuff as well. I think it's got a really good part. It's quite quite political cycling, really, when it comes down to it. I also love the fact that um, it says here in terms of there was a lot around uh, Annie's entrepreneurship, but that she was a saleswoman and an exceptional storyteller. It always fascinates me that even though times change, human beings don't. So if you read around, she basically monetized her trip through her storytelling, through sponsorship, through talks. And I'm like, that's basically what vloggers are doing now, right? Yeah. They are like monetizing and building their personal brands. So it's really interesting that, that people were already doing this in like the 1800s. She was the original travel vlogger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she absolutely knew that she had to effectively sell herself um, as, a, as an advertising thing. Really. She, she um, put placards and ribbons on her bike selling different brands. I mean, it could be bicycle dyes or perfume as well. Um, and so just having that sort of entrepreneurial spirit and being able to go out there and do it. And this is in the 1890s. I sort of have to try and imagine back to what I think life was like then and for women how limited their options were and how... How gutsy she must have been and how determined and I suspect completely irresistible actually because I think people obviously didn't say no to her um, and also I quite like that she embellished some of her stories for the sake of good headlines. There's nothing new under the sun is there about uh, self-promotion I guess. <laughs> yeah, because we were talking about this idea that she went to all these places and some people actually challenged whether or not she did it they were like show us <laughs> prove it to us because they couldn't believe a woman would have cycled here and she went to places like she went to Yemen she went to Sri Lanka she went through Vietnam and oh, Hong she Kong she says I'm like did she just stay in her garage I mean there's no <laughs> selfies there's no like iPhones <laughs> like you do <laughs> This is life before Strava, isn't it? So I'm not 100% certain it would stand up against some sort of Guinness Book of Records measurement, if I'm really honest. But I don't think that what make, that matters to me. I think it is it's the fact that she went out there, she did it. She made such an impact and she knew how to get people interested and also put up with quite a lot of rubbish along the way. In France, she was criticised for her looks. Nothing new under the sun there. Um, and also got tangled up with bureaucracy and her bike was confiscated, but she went all through that. Oh, and in France as well, when she arrived in Marseille, she cycled from Paris to Marseille, had some sort of accident and arrived in Marseille with her foot on a handlebar, bandaged up. How do you cycle? Wow. On a handlebar. At <laughs> <laughs> the time, she cycled into pigs and broke her wrist. I think I would have given up a long, long time ago. <laughs> well, we love her and we salute her as a backdated badass being full of grit and extreme adventure. So thank you for sharing her story with us, Kate. You're welcome. 
So that was our Backdated Badass for the week, a woman from history that you need to know more about. And if you've got suggestions for a Backdated Badass, somebody you want us to talk about, then do make sure you tweet us at Badass Women's Hour HR and tell us so we know. Um, We're coming to the end of our show, but as ever, we like to leave you with a badass principle for the week, something you can do this week to be more badass in your daily life. Nat, what is our principle this week? The badass principle this week is get woke, and it's inspired by the conversation we had earlier. Um, It's, uh, you know, given what's going on at the moment, we've just had an election. You know, be curious, find out what's going on. Don't take what is placed in front of you at face value. Dig a bit deeper. And just so we are all remembering, get woke. What do we mean by woke? Woke is enlightenment. It's not taking what you see as fact. Fabulous. Emma, are you woke? And if not, how are you going to be more woke this week? I'm getting more woke. I feel like it's uh, it's something that is constant because especially there's I'm doing a lot of woke around my white privilege and trying to understand that on a deeper level but then also I think it's around what we're seeing on our social media channels the fake news like I don't think there's ever been a time now where that that is actually one of the most important things we can all do as human beings is having a, a deeper awareness deeper understanding challenging what we hear and see being open to having conversations with people so Love that. I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. It is a work. It is a work to be more woke, but (laughs) (laughs) but we can all try it. And this week for me, it's about actually doing our research, working out what our privilege is, and knowing the numbers so that we can push back on other people that tell us we're wrong because we're not. We're always right. So this has been the backdated. This isn't hasn't been the backdated badass. It's been the badass women's hour with me, (laughs) Harriet Minter, Emma Sexton, Natalie Campbell here on Talk Radio. We're here every week. uh, But if you want to talk to us in the meantime, you know what? You should come find us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour on Twitter on Facebook and on Instagram or following our hashtag B-A-W-H or if you want to talk to us individually you can find me at Harriet Minter Nat at Nat D. Campbell and Emma at Emma Sexton and we'll be back here again on Talk Radio next week Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio she'll get you talking Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 